It's election time. Uh, it's coming up in just a few weeks. We're going to appoint leaders for our congregation. We're going to appoint elders and uh, uh, deacons. Uh, and we do this every single year. Uh, every year uh, we appoint leaders to help lead our congregation and to make spiritual and financial decisions as well as decisions when it comes to ministries, uh, the activities that we do, the events that we do. Uh, this is a very important time of year. Now if you are new around here, I want you to know that one of our core values as a congregation, one of our core values as a church is to do things the way they did them in the early church, the way they did them in the book of Acts. And so uh, some churches do things differently uh, then we do them. Uh, some churches uh, are run by deacons. Some churches are run by elders. Some churches are run by pastors. Um, and I want you to know that uh, here at GFCC, we are an elder-run congregation. Uh, we are a church that, uh, like I said, values the way that the church did things in the early church in the first century. Uh, we're called, uh, we are part of a, a movement called the Restoration Movement, and it is all about restoring New Testament Christianity, doing things the way that they did them in the Bible uh, as best as we can. Um, now, granted, you know, they didn't have sound systems in the Bible, so does that mean we shouldn't have sound systems? Absolutely not. We want to be able to project and, and be able to hear and things like that. We want it to sound good. So, uh, but when it comes to matters of how we run the church, of how the church is governed, we want to do things the way they did them in the Bible. And so that's why when I, one of my promises that I will make to you as a Christian, as a part of our GFCC family, is that when you come every Sunday, you're going to hear a message from Scripture that we preach and teach the Bible as God's Word. And when I preach, uh, when I teach, I preach from God's Word. Uh, so every Sunday, that's what I promise you, you will hear a message that comes from scripture and today is no different we're going to turn uh in just a few minutes to um we're going to look at two different uh passages from two different books this morning um but we really want to follow the scriptures as best as we can as best as we can interpret and understand them uh, we want to follow the scriptures here at gfcc and that is the most uh, one of the, our most important core values um one of the things that we learn from scripture uh is how to do church how do we govern uh, our, the, the church here at GFCC? Um, Jesus, of course, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is in charge. The title of this sermon is Follow the Leader. And when I'm talking about following the leader, I mean we follow Jesus. He is the head of the church. We must submit to his lordship. We must submit to the authority of his word, the Bible. Um, the Bible tells us what to do. The word of God tells us how we should, like I said, govern the affairs of our congregation. And so we turn to scripture each and every Sunday. We turn to scripture. We search the scriptures to know how best to, to lead the congregation. Uh, the early churches, like I said, were led by elders. They were responsible for the uh, spiritual direction of the local congregations. Um, they were also served by deacons. And deacons were those who would, uh, were appointed to serve uh, and to uh, lead specific jobs, to lead specific ministries. Uh, men and women uh, were uh, chosen to lead in these different capacities uh, in the early church. Now, the job of the elders, the elders were responsible for the spiritual direction, and uh, the deacons were responsible for acts of service. Um, they were appointed to positions of servanthood. Um, our deacons serve here, 
by leading individual ministries, by leading different areas of our church, uh, but they do not lead the church. That is the job of the elders. The elders are the ones who lead the overall direction, specifically the spiritual direction of our congregation. Uh, we appoint leaders each year. Uh, usually in November, December, we'll uh, appoint, we'll uh, nominate different individuals for leadership roles in uh, the month of October, and then we, uh, the elders go through those nominations in the month of November, and this year our congregational meeting will be in the month of December. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, in order to vote, uh, that's how we appoint our leaders is through elections. In order to vote, you have to be an active member, uh, which means you have to be 18 years of age or older. You have to have been baptized by immersion. Uh, that's how we baptize here. You have to have been baptized by immersion. You have to have placed membership with us, either through uh, getting baptized or through transferring. Um, in 2011, we added a requirement of the uh, what's our, our new members class. Uh, so we have a membership class that we've been doing for a couple of years now. And let me tell you something really cool about our membership class is that uh, Albert and I teach this uh, every quarter or so, every six to eight, maybe ten weeks, uh, we'll teach this class. And we have noticed, uh, I was doing some number research, and we have noticed that um, our retention rate as far as people coming to the membership class and joining through baptism or transfer is much higher since we've been doing this class. And I think that's really cool. Um, not, you know, not because Albert and I are such great teachers, though we are. Um, but it's because it shows a sign of commitment that they really want to be here. And so we're very thankful to those of you who've taken our membership class uh, and who attend here regularly. We're very thankful uh, that you have done that. And we want you, if you've taken the membership class, and you haven't gotten baptized yet or you haven't joined our church yet, we want you to do that as well uh, because this is a great place to be. Uh, and I hope that that's why you're here is because this is a wonderful place to be. It's a wonderful place to worship. Uh, it's a wonderful family to belong to. It's a wonderful family to be a part of. And, and we're really glad that you're here uh, making this place so much better. Um, so every year uh, we, uh, we nominate uh, the 2014. Oh, I almost said 2004. Going back 10 years, I was 30 then, but uh, 2014 nominees will be released next week. We'll let you know who the nominees are next week. We're also going to try and have the budget out next week so that if you have budget questions, because what we're going to do at our meeting in December is we're going to approve uh, nominees uh, and elect them into offices, and we're also going to approve our budget. Uh, and so if you have questions about nominees, if you have questions about budgets, uh, next week though you'll have that information in your hands, and you can talk to the elders, you can talk to the finance people, uh, and uh, try and uh, answer. We'll get those answers, those questions answered uh, before we get to the meeting uh, coming up in December. Um, the meeting, the congregational meeting this year is going to be on December 8th. So that's in, I believe that's four weeks, uh, approximately three, four weeks. Uh, December 8th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I know that's not a hugely popular decision, but we want you to come back at 4 o'clock for the congregational meeting on December 8th. Now, today we're going to talk about the kinds of leaders that God desires for his church I'm really, really excited, okay? I just want to have a little moment here with you, um, a little fireside chat. Um, I'm very excited about what God is doing here. God is doing something amazing in our midst, okay? And I don't know if you can sense it or not. I was talking to the elders yesterday. They can sense it. They get the feeling that God is about to do something great here and that God is doing something great in our midst. I, I, I am a, I'm a numbers geek, okay? I like numbers. I like crunching numbers as all pastors do. We like to crunch the numbers. And so I've been crunching the numbers of the last six weeks. We went to two services at the beginning of October, October 6th. We've been going to two services for six weeks. And I really want to tell you something exciting. Okay. We have seen an increase in attendance, uh, just about every single week. 
and our attendance is up quite a bit over last year and the years before. Actually, our overall attendance uh, is up 9%, um, but if you take the same six weeks this year versus last year and the year before, we are up 14% over last year. We are up 21 and a half people a week um, over last year, and we are up 15% from two years ago. So it's working. I mean, I'm very excited. God is bringing new people. We see new families all the time. There's all kinds of new folks coming uh, and checking us out and wanting to know what we're doing. Uh, and they're, they're get, starting to get involved. And uh, maybe you're one of those new faces, and we're so glad that you've been, you've been joining us. Um, and we want you to continue to get involved, uh, and we want you to, to feel at home here. So I'm very excited. Uh, God is moving. God is doing great things. Uh, he, is, he is really, we are on the verge of something great. And we need to keep the momentum going. Because there is momentum. And as I told our elders yesterday in a little meeting that we were having, uh, it, it feels like the stone like it has just started to budge. You know, it's like it started to budge and it's starting to move. And God is getting ready to just kind of go bowling with this giant stone. And it's just going to snowball downhill. And we're going to have this avalanche of awesomeness. So anyway, that's uh, I'm very excited about what God is doing here. Uh, but we need to appoint leaders who are fully su- surrendered and fully devoted to Jesus and uh, we are going to do that in just a couple of weeks. Um, we need leaders who are completely sold out to the vision of making more and better disciples of Jesus, uh, who are devoted uh, to our mission of making more and better disciples who love God, love others, and spread the gospel. Uh, we want uh, leaders who, are, who want to lead. And I think that's the key. Uh, one of the most important aspects of leadership is the desire to lead. We'll get into that in just a second. So today we're going to talk about um, leaders here at GFCC in God's church. And uh, what I want you to do is I want you to grab your Bible. Or if you, don't have, if you don't bring a Bible, please bring your Bible. If you need a Bible, please let us know. We'll make sure you get one. But uh, if you have, want to grab the Pew Bible, it's on page 839. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, also grab your bulletin on the third page. You'll find the handy-dandy outline, and uh, we're going to look at that here. You know, if you look at the, uh, the outline there, try to add more information, uh, and a little paragraph there begins. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was a follower of Jesus first and foremost. That's the leaders that we need. We need leaders who are first and foremost followers of Jesus. And we need leaders who will lead well. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, We need leaders who are following Jesus. And so that the leaders that we follow, the elders and the ministry leaders, as we follow them, we know that they are following the example of Christ. Uh, The first blank on your outline this morning is elders lead well. Elders lead well. There are several different Greek words for uh, in the New Testament for elders. And uh, two of them that I want to talk about, uh, one is the word for overseer, which uh, has with it the idea of leadership. Uh, the other one is the word for shepherd, it's poimen. Uh, it is the, uh, a Greek word for shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? Leads, but, but what does a shepherd do? What is the shepherd's primary responsibility? Take care of sheep, right? Take care of sheep. Um, you've heard the expression, pull the wool over your eyes. Uh, it's because uh, sheep, um, sheep have this, this, this kind of bad uh, reputation as being really dumb animals. It's not that they're dumb, it's just the wool grows over their eyes and they can't see where they're going. And so they get lost real easily. That's why they need a shepherd. The shepherd guides and leads the sheep. And so we have these two words for elders. Two of, these, uh, two of the words uh, are um, 
uh, for shepherd and overseer. Uh, another word uh, that's used in the New Testament is the word pastor, and it literally refers to shepherds, literally refers to elders as being pastors of the congregation. And so these words are used of elders, and they all have this idea of leadership with them. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 as we begin. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, there's that word, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now flip over a couple of pages real quick over to Titus chapter 1. And I want to read what Paul said to Titus about, um, about elders. Titus chapter 1 starting in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, these are two of the most important passages with regards to uh, elders. And there are two things that I want to point out uh, about these two passages of Scripture. The first is from 1 Timothy 3, and it says, Whoever sets his heart on being an overseer desires a noble task. And I think one of the most important qualifications, the very first qualification of an elder is not being the husband of but one wife or having uh, respectable children or uh, not given to drunkenness or not having a violent temper, but rather the very first uh, qualification of an elder is that he desires this task, that he sets his heart on being an overseer, and when he does, he desires a noble task. So the first qualification is to have a desire to do to be an elder it does a church no good to have elders who hate being elders it does us no good to have leaders who don't want to lead leaders who say well i'm just you know i just want to be a voice at the table that's not good enough we need leaders who want to lead and lead well Elders who really desire the position, who not because they're so full of themselves, not because they're prideful and arrogant, but because they have the Holy Spirit has led them to that point where they need to lead. And it is in their DNA to be a leader in God's church. Um, the other thing I want to point out is this uh, list of qualifications uh, that we find in both 1 Timothy and in Titus. This list of qualifications... Scholar D.A. Carson said something very interesting in a video I watched of him once. He said that the most amazing thing about these lists of qualifications, the most extraordinary thing about this list of qualifications is that they're really kind of ordinary. That in reality, these lists of qualifications, with just a few exceptions, don't just apply to elders. And they don't just apply to deacons. They apply to all Christians. I mean, is there anybody who can look at the Bible and go, well, you know, elders shouldn't be given to drunkenness, but it's okay for me. Well, the Bible says don't get drunk. 
Is there anyone, any Christian who can say, hey, you know, elders, you have to be the husband of but one wife. In other words, you have to be a faithful one-woman man. But for me, it's okay to cheat on my spouse. Absolutely not. Most of these qualifications are, are uh, God's call to each of us to, to, not be, uh, to not be overbearing, to not be angry and, and losing our temper. These apply to everybody, with a few exceptions, and I'll get into those in just a second. Um, but we are all called to be faithful to our spouses. We are all called to be good parents who don't exasperate our children so that our kids don't act out in public and that they become followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there are some uh, qualifications that are unique to the role of elder. One is the ability to teach. You don't have to be able to teach to be a Christian, but you need to be able to teach to be an elder. And so that's one of the qualifications that is unique uh, to elders, um, teaching the word of God and teaching uh, people to pray and being men of prayer uh, is vital to the role of an elder. Not being a recent convert. At one point, we're all recent converts. But to be an elder, you cannot be a recent convert. Why? Because if you are given a great deal of power and responsibility and leadership, it is easy to get a big head. It is easy to be full of pride and say, huh, they must think I'm pretty good. They must think I'm a really great guy. They must think that I'm pretty awesome. And then... What does Paul say is that you will fall into the same trap of the devil who is full of pride and arrogance. And so we don't want elders who are recent converts because we don't want them to get prideful and arrogant. Um, one of the most important aspects is the ability to lead well. And like I said, one of those words that is used of, a, of an elder is the word for shepherd. You know, and like I said, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of sheep. Elder takes care of sheep. Uh, and uh, the el- what does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of sheep. They provide for the sheep's needs. They lead them to the pastures. We think about Psalm 23, the, the image of the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is the one who leads me as my, as my ultimate shepherd, as my good shepherd. But God calls elders to be shepherds as well. And, and I think that Psalm 23 is a great model for elders of, of how to take care of sheep. That you need to lead the sheep to, to quiet to lush pastures to graze so that the sheep are fed you need to lead the sheep to quiet waters uh, where they can drink and and be nourished uh, to protect the sheep Jesus said that he is the the good shepherd and that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in those days if you were a shepherd you would and it was time for the sheep to go to sleep say that five times fast uh, you would build a pen around the sheep okay you'd build this pen around them with a one little opening in the pen and then you would take the sheep and you would guide them and lead them into the pen and they would all come into the pen and then do you know what the shepherd would do the shepherd would lay down across that opening literally lay down his life for the sheep so that if anyone or anything any wild animal was going to go into that pen and get those sheep it had to go through the shepherd that's what good shepherds do good shepherds lay down their lives for the sheep now why why would they do that why would the shepherd, I mean, these are sheep for crying out loud. I mean, they're just sheep, right? If you were a shepherd in Jesus's day, you were financially liable for every sheep under your care. You were responsible and accountable for every single sheep. That's why it says the good shepherd knows his sheep by name and the shepherd, the sheep know his voice. The, sh- the shepherd is responsible for his sheep. Elders are responsible for the sheep in their flock. Elders are responsible for every sheep and accountable for every sheep. For every little lamb. If, if you lost a sheep in Jesus' day, if you lost a lamb, you had to pay for it. You had to pay the owner of the sheep for that lamb. God is going to hold elder, elders accountable for the sheep 
for the lambs that are under their care. Um, they have to protect the flock. They have to make sacrifices for the flock. They have to feed the flock. They have to nourish the flock. They have to provide rest for the flock. You know, this is what elders do. And in Jesus' church, that is his expectation. Jesus, Jesus died for the sheep of our flock. He died for the sheep of the world. He died for his sheep. And he entrusts the care of those sheep to the human shepherds here on earth, those elders in his church. So the elders uh, have been entrusted with the care of the sheep and the protection of the sheep and the nourishment of the sheep. Um, the elders have to lead well and they have to take responsibility for the sheep under their care. And this is a hard job. It's a really hard job. Now, our elders are going to be here in the second service, so I want to just kind of give you a little heads up. A little bit later on, I'm going to challenge you to do something nice for your elders, and so be prepared for that, okay? But we have really good elders. Tony and John, Tony Martinez and John Hageman are, are really good elders, and they take care of this flock. Uh, it's a hard job. It's a heavy job for two guys to do. they got to put up with me on a regular basis, and if any of you have had to deal with me on a regular basis, you know that that's a hard job. Um, but I, I, I just want to... I just want to recognize our elders. I want you to, to tell them that they're doing a good job. And when it comes to nominating and appointing leaders to this very important office, we need men who are going to care for, nourish, and protect the sheep of this flock. So consider that when it comes time to nominate. Like next year we go to nominate new elders. This year when we go to elect elders. Uh, this is a very important job. Uh, and, and it's one that... that it's rather thankless. Um, you hear a lot of complaints, uh, but you don't hear a lot of applause. And so we need to uh, encourage our elders and we need to uh, tell them that they're doing a good job. So please be encouragers to our elders um, when you see them. Second blank on your outline is deacons serve well. Deacons serve well. The Greek word uh, for deacon is a word literally it means like a table waiter. When I was down in Terre Haute going to school at Indiana State, uh, I, was, uh, I was a waiter at the Outback Steakhouse down there, okay? And so I waited tables. I was a head waiter, actually. I was fairly decent at what I did. Um, and uh, I, I did not run the kitchen. I did not cook the food. I did not tend the bar. Um, I did not uh, run the restaurant. I was responsible for one little section of the restaurant. I was responsible for the three tables in my section. I had three tables, and my responsibility was to get them anything and everything that they wanted and to make sure that our guests had a great experience. That was my job. Like I said, I didn't run the restaurant, but I ran those three tables. And, uh, and it, was, it was a hard job, but again, it was just a, a small job when compared to the overall running of the entire restaurant. But it was a very important job, because if I messed up my job, if I didn't do my job to the best of my ability, somebody may not come back to that restaurant. Okay? So it was very important that the job that I did as a waiter was vital to the operation of the restaurant. I wasn't running the restaurant, but I was still vitally important to the operation of the restaurant. I had to meet every single need that my guests needed and do whatever that I could to make sure they had a good experience. Our deacons and our deaconesses are charged with leading a particular ministry in our church. And so it could be the children's ministry. It could be the worship ministry. It could be the fellowship ministry. Uh, the deacons don't run the church, but rather they are uh, in charge of running a particular ministry within the church. Like I said, our fellowship deacons run the fellowship ministry. They don't run the church, but they run their ministry. Our worship deacon does not run any other ministry but the worship ministry. 
excuse me, our elderberries deaconess runs the elderberries ministry, and I'm telling you, she does a great job. Melissa does an incredible job uh, with our elderberries ministry. Uh, the deacons don't run the church, but rather they run a, a part of the church. They run a ministry. Our deacons and our deaconesses do a great job. They do a terrific job of running their ministries uh, in order to make sure that the church functions well. They serve. That's their job is service. They lead a particular ministry in order to serve Jesus and to serve the church. Um, look at 1 Timothy 3. Flip back over to 1 Timothy 3 and look at verses 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, would be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives, or it could be deaconesses, just so you know, uh, are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Um, like I said, that word there translated in the NIV, this version of the NIV as wives, could also mean deaconesses. Scholars fall on both sides of the fence when it comes to whether or not churches should have deacons or deaconesses. Um, it goes back a long time in our church as far as having deaconesses. Um, and like I said, the qualifications are similar to the qualifications of elders, but Again, these are qualifications that apply to, you know, pretty much apply to all Christians. They are not unique just to deacons. They are not unique just to elders, but they pretty much apply to every single one of us. Um, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, like I said, that, that word in verse 11 may be referring uh, to deaconesses. And we see that this word uh, for servant, this word for deacon is applied in Romans 16, 1 to a, a woman named Phoebe. Uh, and Phoebe, it says, was a servant in the church, and they used that word for deacon. Uh, and... Uh, the interesting thing is that, like I said, scholars kind of fall on both sides of this issue. They're not sure if she was like serving in a particular ministry as the leader of a ministry or if she was just a general servant in the church. But either way, this word is applied to her, um, and it may be referring to her uh, leading a ministry. Uh, and like I said, for the third time, scholars fall on both sides. And here at GFCC, we have men and women who serve our church as ministry leaders. Now, the role of deacon is completely different than the role of elder. The elders are the spiritual minister, uh, the leaders of the spiritual ministry of the church. Our deacons are the uh, leaders of individual ministries, not the entire church. So that brings me to the last blank on your outline, the third blank, and that is church follow well. Flip back over to Titus. We're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Look at, look at Titus chapter 2. And what uh, Paul wanted Titus to teach these various groups in the church. I'll read the whole thing. Titus chapter 2. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. 
Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. And uh, we are all called as Christians to live lives of righteousness and holiness and faithfulness. We are called to follow Jesus well and to follow our leaders well. God has provided for human leaders in his church and he has called us to follow them well. Look at back at your, uh, your, the handy dandy outline there. And uh, look, what I wrote there was Jesus has called certain people to serve his church as leaders. The most important question we can ask of a leader is, are you following Christ? If the answer is yes, then we are called to submit to their leadership. If the answer is no, then why are they in leadership at all? And I think that is the most important question that we can ask. Why are they in leadership if they're not following Jesus? Jesus is our ultimate leader. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He died on the cross to forgive our sins. In Matthew chapter 28, he said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That Jesus is in charge. He is our ultimate leader and we follow him. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like I said, he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and he is our Savior and he is our Lord. What does it mean that he is our Lord? It means that we are all his servants. He is our ultimate leader. He is our Savior. He is our forgiver and we are called to follow him well. And that means every single one of us, we are all called to follow Jesus first and foremost. Pastors, elders, leaders, teachers, deacons, Christians. We are all called to follow Jesus. And Paul said, follow my example as I follow Christ. We want our leaders to be followers of Jesus first and foremost. They have to be followers of Jesus. They have to follow Jesus well. You know, when you get baptized, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you repent, confess, be baptized, and uh, you become a Christian, uh, you follow Jesus until you die. That is the call that we are, that we are uh, given, is that we follow Jesus until the day we die. We follow him on earth, and we follow him in this life, and we follow him to the next life. And if you look there at Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, we see that for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very own, eager to do what is good. And one of the things that we can do that is good is to follow our leaders well. We are the people of God. We are the people of God, and we must act like it. We follow Jesus well, and we follow the leaders that he has appointed well. Two challenges this morning. Two challenges for you. The first is to pray for your leaders. 
Pray for the leaders of our congregation. Pray for me. Pray for our elders. Pray for our deacons. Pray for the ministry leaders of our congregation. Wherever they're leading, they need your prayers. Um, one of the things that we have discovered is that uh, when, 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 you, when you start to encroach on the enemy's territory, the enemy gets angry. The enemy gets frustrated. The enemy starts to attack. You know, the enemy says, that church isn't doing anything. I'm going to leave them alone because that church over there, they're, they're making some waves. They're starting to reach people. They're, they're baptizing people and people are going to heaven and they're encroaching on my territory. I'm going to attack them. Pray for our leaders. Pray for their protection that the, that the enemy will not uh, prevail, uh, that they will be protected by the Holy Spirit. They will be protected by Jesus. So please pray for our leaders. Pray for their families. The enemy don't care. All right, the enemy don't care. The enemy will attack a family. The enemy will ta- attack a job. The enemy will attack a person. The enemy will attack. We need protection. So pray for your leaders. Pray for the elders. Pray for me. Pray for the deacons and the ministry team leaders. Pray for our leaders. Uh, the second challenge that I have for you uh, is to send a note of encouragement to someone this week, to one of our leaders. Send a, a note of encouragement to our elders. Send a note of encouragement to our deacons uh, or to our ministry team leaders. If you need to know who these people are, if you need to know, hey, who can I send a note of encouragement to, call the office this week. We'll get you the information. Just send someone a note of encouragement to say, hey, I'm praying for you. It does such it does, uh, it does my heart so much. When someone says, hey, I'm praying for you, someone sends me a note that says, I thank God for your ministry and, and I'm praying for you, that it just fills me with so much joy. And it makes my job uh, a, a joy rather than a, a drudgery. And it does the same thing for elders. It does the same thing for deacons and ministry leaders. We need to know that people are praying for us. So if those are my two challenges. Pray for your leaders. And the second challenge is to send a note of encouragement to, to someone this week. Okay, can you do that for me? Great, that'd be awesome. All right, let's, we're going to pray, uh, and then we're going to uh, stand and sing our song of invitation. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, appointing leaders uh, here on earth uh, to lead our churches well. And I pray for our elders, and I pray for our deacons and our ministry team leaders today, and ask that, God, you would give them an extra measure of strength and protection uh, from the enemy. Lord, we're excited about what you're doing here at GFCC in our midst. We see you moving and, and we see you active and we see you uh, working in our midst. And, and Lord, we're just humbled by that, that you would use us, uh, broken as we are, uh, to reach people for Jesus. And that's, that's really what we want to do, God, is we want to reach this world for Christ. So I pray for our leaders, for our elections upcoming, uh, that the leaders that you have chosen would be appointed to their offices and that they would lead well. And that as a church, you would help us to follow well, to follow Jesus and to follow our leaders. Thank you again for this opportunity to dive into your word today. And I pray that it has challenged us uh, to do that which you've called us to do. And that is to follow Jesus. We give you praise and glory in his name.